This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community community run by Warren Jeffs, which I moved out of when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for almost eight years now and have two beautiful babies. Yes, we do. Today, we are so excited to answer all the comments and questions and all of you that have been saying, please do a review on Keep Sweet, Pray and Obey that is on Netflix right now. Yes, the long-awaited review is finally here for the first episode. Very interesting documentary. I must say I very much enjoy how well they put this on. Yes, we've been watching a lot of documentaries um, lately. We just finished Preaching Evil. We watched the Keep Sweet that was on Discovery Plus. And we weren't quite sure going into this if it was going to feel really repetitive to what we had just barely watched. And kind of we're like, oh, I hope it's we're going to be saying the same thing over and over again. But this documentary is completely on its own. And I feel like it attests to the fact that so often we say Sam had his own experience and that it's different from everybody else's. And all he can do is share his experience. Correct. And yeah. it just shows that like though the Wall family, right, their experience is going to be so unique and different than anybody else's, than Naomi Jeff's, than anybody else's. And so It's so cool to see so many documentaries coming at the same issue from so many different angles. Right. And yeah, I do like that this one kind of starts from a little bit farther back and and gives a little bit more history on how Warren became the prophet. Yeah. Sam was getting flashbacks. He was, as they were showing the video, he's like, where are they getting this video from? Yes. It's very, I'm, I'm happy they were able to find so much footage because... To find pictures even, and especially video coverage from my childhood has proven to be very difficult, even for me, uh, having the connections that I have. So happy to see they were able to find some of this, and it's very interesting to see back. <laughs> so. Yes. We're going to be doing, um, each episode, we're going to be doing an, a different review video so that we can kind of dive deep into um, what they're talking about and then how Sam's experience was compared to theirs as well. So um, look forward to that. We're going to be doing that every week for the next four weeks for these um, four episodes. We also, for anybody who is interested in the um, connection between the LDS and the FLDS um, connection that they kind of bring up here in this first episode, we are going to be doing a collaboration and um, we got asked to speak on a discussion panel with Mormon stories. Yes. And so we will be on that panel. I believe it's going to be coming up this next week. Um, we will definitely keep you all posted on that. Yeah, not for sure exactly when that's coming out, but very, very soon. And thank you to all of you who pushed that to happen. Uh, they told us that they received many uh, messages from our viewers saying, hey, you need to <laughs> you need to uh, have them on or, or do a collaboration with them. So anyway... We're excited to finally be able to do this with Mormon Stories. Yeah, and so that aspect or kind of that direction, we will leave to um, their discussion panel that we are um, going to be a part of. And then on this review, we're going to just be going over the video itself and Sam's relationship to 
the community and how he feels about all that. Yes. Well, let's get going. Okay. And if you guys want to hear more about what it was like for Sam growing up in polygamy, please like and subscribe. And definitely stay tuned for these next videos as well. So let's jump into it. Let's see. Uh, like I say, it started out kind of giving a back story, uh, kind of going into what it was like for the Wall family. And yeah. I thought that was very cool to see a little bit of uh, back history when the, the, a lot of the people were still living in Salt Lake City. I never personally lived there, so I only knew of the people and uh, heard stories about people living in Salt Lake City. So I was never a part of that group. I always, I was born and raised and always lived in FL, or in the uh they call it the Short Creek or Hilldale and Colorado City area. Yeah, it was also interesting that um, her father was a convert. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was very and that, interesting. And um, that he married his high school sweetheart and that they were looking for a more fundamental um, take on the LDS church because um, some of you may have seen Sam's previous videos where his father's first wife was also a convert. Was also a convert. Yes. And so converts aren't very common anymore. And they no. really since Warren... Even before Warren, they weren't very common. Yeah, not very common at all. And so to see that was like very interesting and mm-hmm. kind of yeah. similar to yeah. your father's story a little bit. Yeah, I knew that there were converts, but it just wasn't something you commonly heard about. Uh, I, I knew of several throughout the community, but a very small percentage. Do you feel like it was more common back then when Rulin was the prophet more than when Warren? I, yes, I think so. Uh, back And even before Rulin, when it was Roy Johnson, you know, and before him, I believe the, the earlier leaders of the FLDS church allowed a lot more people to come and be converted. And I think a lot of those uh, people f- that were converted came from the mainstream LDS church that just kind of wanted more of the, the original fundamental teachings and beliefs. Yeah. So. Um, going into kind of how, you know, the Wall family is starting off and sharing their experience living in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. um, a couple of things that I thought were very interesting is a lot of the language that they use and the verbiage that they use was very similar to how I grew up when it talked about like the one and only true church. Oh, yes. And were you guys taught growing up, because that's what I was taught as LDS, um, that we were the only ones that had the full truth. What were you guys taught about having the truth and how did it compare to? I would say even more so probably than what the LDS teach. We were taught that we had the only truth. Not only were we taught we had the only truth in the FLDS, but we were taught that those that didn't belong to the FLDS church were, how do I say this, not as good. Uh, they were <laughs> not going to be, I mean, there, it would be impossible for them to be happy uh, when they died and went to the other side. They wouldn't have all of the blessings. And especially for someone that belonged to the FLDS church and then chose to leave, we were taught that there was no hope for them eternal damnation wow yes so it was very very straightforward very cut and dry right exactly there was no trying to sugarcoat anything yeah that's so interesting um as they continue and you know the one rebecca um marrying rulin sam kind of had mentioned to me that it was kind of ringing 
I don't know, not ringing true, but like um, bringing back memories of mm. his sister being right. married to Rulin. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit about well, that? She, like how old she was? Yeah. Uh, so she talked a little bit about how to her and her family, it was this huge honor. So her her father presented her to Rulin and Rulin decided to take her as, as his wife. And to them, they were kind of shocked, but so thrilled because it was such a huge honor. And that's exactly how I felt when my sister was assigned, I guess you could say, to Rulin, to Rulin Jeff says, and I believe she was near his 60th wife and he, and he was in his 80s. So one of the last wives as well. Right. And I know that she was, whew, yes, and I believe it was after his stroke that she was married to him. So I'm not sure what kind of physical connection they ha- had, if any. But uh, it was this, just this huge honor. We thought, wow, she's marrying the prophet of God. How amazing and how lucky she is. That was the feeling I had. And I assume the rest of my family as well. Do you know if she re- received the same secret handshake? <laughs> that, that was was talked about, the fact had, that Rulin Jeffs would give a special handshake the, to the people the, the, that were going to be his next wives or be called three, to be his next wives. three tight squeeze handshake, I guess, meant that uh, you're on my radar and you will soon be married to me. I, <laughs> I guess. I had heard rumors about that secret handshake. I have no idea if my sister received something like that. To my knowledge, all I knew is that my father received a phone call. One thing led to another. Next thing I know, Warren Jeffs is pulling up in his Lincoln car and sitting in his back seat with one of his drivers driving. I don't remember if Warren was in the car or not. My sister walks out. Back door is open for her. She gets in the back seat with Ruth and Jeffs, and they ride off into the sunset, so to speak. And uh, we thought everything was, you know. And I did see my sister after that. She went and moved in to live with, with Ruland and the rest of her sister wives. But she would come to visit us on occasion, and it's not like we never saw her again. But she never really talked to us much about what went on within the house. She did seem happy, so I had no reason to... I don't know if she was putting on a show to pretend to be happy, or if she was truly happy. I I didn't actually ask her that question. How old I were you? I she was. How old were you when, uh, when she got married? Oh, boy. Let's see. I pro- hmm. I must have been 10 or 11. Okay, so you're pretty young. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't about to get into a deep conversation with my with <laughs> how's my your sis, marriage going, sis? About her marriage, I assumed that since she was marrying the prophet of God, everything would have been the most amazing any possible marriage could be. That was my assumption. Yeah. Yeah. So. so- and you said your sister married him after his stroke, which obviously his health was declining. Mm. And they they talked about a lot in their um, in this documentary the fact that. As his health was declining, they were told that he was going to be the last prophet and that he would be restored. Did you hear that growing up? I mean, obviously his death happened when you were pretty young. So right. I would have been about 12. And I, I mean, I don't want to speak out of terms here. I believe it was after his stroke that she married him. But I can't 100% for sure say that because I don't remember how long he lived after his stroke. Okay. So that's the only... I'm trying to remember from the other documentary. Yeah, I want to say to it was remember. like another four years. If it was four years, then I'm pretty sure it would have been after his stroke. Okay. She was married to him. But uh, I'm sorry, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> the question is, did you hear that he was um, never going to die? Oh, yeah. Because they had mentioned that, that he was never going to die, that he would be restored back to his full health. Um, you that know, he was going to be the last prophet. It rings a bell, but it wasn't something that was brought up a lot, at least in my family. 
So maybe other families were talking more about it, and maybe it was brought up at one point, but it isn't something that I was that I specifically remember being taught about a lot. So it wasn't like over the pulpit, like not that preached I re- about all the not time. Not that I remember, no. And you know, it's one of those. I think I would have been more surprised when Ruthen died if it had been told me if it had been told more often that that, that he would never die. But I don't remember being super surprised. Well, and like I said, you being so young, obviously, True. you know, in the documentary they talk about the fact that so many people, are, like the adults at the time, are watching him be buried, wondering mm-hmm. how can this happen? When is he coming back to life? When is he coming back to life? And mm-hmm. that that was like a big, a big deal. Um, testimony shaker, basically. They expected him to just rise up out of his casket mm-hmm. and return. Yeah. So does that sound like something out of the realm of possibility of what you oh, guys were told? I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been shocked based on the way I was raised. That you know, twelve years old, if he had risen out of his casket, I would have been like, aha, <laughs> a miracle, huzzah! Exactly. I would have been. I would have just thought that, that this is amazing because we were taught so much about these crazy things that were going to happen that could happen the the miracles that could happen and the destruction that would happen if we didn't uh, live a certain way so we were living in fear a lot of the time and uh, wouldn't have been super shocked if something like that would have happened honestly yeah that's kind of something they mentioned when warren took over that everything became a lot more fearful Mm -hmm. and that all of his sermons were like that do you remember that as a child like his sermons being scary oh yes Oh yes, and and when he started, oh man, yes, and then he, you know, because he would he would start uh, telling people to destroy certain things, like the library building, and uh, if we didn't destroy it, then then uh, certain people would be destroyed, and it was just a lot of punishment, destruction kind of thing, and so it was definitely a way I I believe to keep us afraid to do anything wrong. You know, and so, yeah, it seemed like Warren's sermons did turn a lot more intense over time. What are your memories of the Olympics coming to Utah <laughs> and so, that being considered like it going to be the end of the world? Mm-hmm. So I remember it very well. I was uh, once again, 11, 12 years old at the time. And uh, I remember them telling everybody that they had to move from Salt Lake City. And I just remember thinking, wow. I wasn't in Salt Lake City. I was already in Short Creek. And so it wasn't the move that I had to make. But I do remember all of a sudden our little community blowing up. I mean, it was just all of a sudden packed full of people. And so that was one of the reasons that uh, so many homes were being built and being built very, very quickly. And I believe that's partly why some of the homes were never completely finished because they just did what they had to do the bare minimum to move a family in and and then move on to the next house so anyway i do remember it very well but uh, i wasn't a part of the move because i was already there um as a young boy were you like was everyone just sitting around like waiting like (laughs) just sitting there going okay so it's not like destroyed yet like do you watch the news and just wait for the fire to be coming down or like i guess you guys didn't watch the news because you don't have television no we didn't watch the news we uh my father would receive a newspaper on on occasion so i remember the newspaper being delivered and he would read that and i assumed that i would hear about it if something happened but it never happened and i did expect it to happen but uh yeah, I guess it was just another one of those things that, uh, well, I guess we as a people weren't prepared for this 
prophecy to come to pass because <laughs> that's just kind of the way it was. Did your father say anything to your family? Like, did anyone have questions or did... Like, did anyone speak up and say, hey, father, why didn't this happen? Or did he, do you know of him speaking up and asking that question? I think he was as confused as the rest of us, to be honest. Even though he was a leader in the church and very well respected, I, I believe that he was just as confused as the rest of us why some of these things that we were being told would happen weren't happening. That, yeah. That's my assumption. I never asked him about it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, again, you were so young at the time. Right. So as the episode kind of wraps up, um, they, you know, are obviously talking about Warren coming into power. You already mentioned how it was scary, uh, a lot of destruction talk. But one thing that was interesting too is them talking about how he kind of like weaseled his way. Maybe that's not the right word, but he weaseled his way into becoming the prophet. Um, do you remember when Rulin's wives were standing up and? testifying that they knew Warren was the new prophet? I believe that that meeting of his wife standing up and testifying of that, I don't know that that was in a general meeting or if that was a meeting held within their home. I'm not, I don't remember her standing up in a general meeting. I could be wrong, but I, I remember it being something that was kind of done in front of his family and closer uh, relatives in that. And then the news just spread that she had this revelation and Naomi had this revelation that Warren was to be the next prophet. That news spread very quickly and we all kind of had to make a choice at that point. And I remember my father, after a meeting, we, we came home after Warren was announced to be the new prophet. We all came home after that meeting and got together as a family. Father asked us to all come together. And he specifically said that he believed that Warren was the next prophet, you know, and kind of told us what his thoughts were about everything going on. And so we, we agreed and we all followed. Yeah. And so then, yeah, Warren was, became the next prophet. To to most people in the community, they agreed and, and believed that he was to be the next prophet. So, and for me, you know, I mean, I had already heard so much coming over the pulpit from him. He had been so in, involved with what his father was supposedly telling us and what all, everything was going on with his father that it just seemed kind of like the next natural step. So and, it didn't uh, feel odd. It didn't seem like this crazy thing that he all of a sudden had. Not to me. It wasn't a prophet. Exactly. It wasn't like he came out of nowhere and said, ha I'm the new prophet. <laughs> so he had been very much involved with the church meetings and everything going on in the church up to that point. And I think it was very strategic on his part to kind of put himself in line to be the next prophet. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, it's kind of, watching this show, it's kind of hard for me to think of him as this crazy person, you know, because it was, that was my, it was my childhood. It just seemed so normal. And to hear his voice was just like, to, to me, it mm. seemed like he was, I mean, it just made perfect sense. That he was the prophet of God and that he was teaching us only what God wanted us to hear. So to, to see and some of the clips showing him talking and even singing, I'll get into that. Yeah. But it just seems so natural and normal. Uh, That's what my parents believed. It's what everyone else in the community was supposedly believing. And it just seemed like this makes perfect sense. Right? So, yeah. When we saw... And um, when Warren was singing and I was like, oh, he actually has like a decent voice. And Sam was like... <laughs> Oh my goodness, if only you knew like how crazy it is to see that again. 
you have to realize that listening to him sing. Okay, so in our home, we had a very large home, and there was an intercom that was basically you pick up the phone, dial a couple numbers, and you can talk throughout the speak or over the speakers throughout the house. And that was used commonly for someone if they needed someone to come upstairs to the kitchen, they would get on the intercom and say, "So and so, come up to the kitchen." Right? Yeah. They didn't want to have to go over the house trying to track someone down. So. My mother, being the righteous woman that she was, she would wake up in the morning and as an alarm clock to wake us all up, she would get the intercom, uh, dial in and put it next to a stereo player with a, a CD player playing Warren Jeff singing. So I would wake up to hearing him singing. I would go to work oftentimes with older brothers or other friends and they would have his CD or the album that had him singing and other members of the community singing. And so, I mean, these songs and his uh, singing voice on top of his preaching voice were always being heard in, in, you know, as a young boy growing up, it was just very, very common. So to kind of sit back and watch this first episode and realize that, wow, I mean, this was just, so normal growing up and to realize what he was doing and and how he was getting into the minds of the people and convincing them through the songs that he would sing and through the way that he would teach and just i I don't know it was very he he did a he did a good job of convincing us yeah and it's interesting to just yeah like you said take that step back and to have so many different like i I always, when I'm watching the documentaries, I'm like watching here and I'm also looking to the side and kind of trying to take in Sam's reactions to it because you can tell how much it just hits home, Mm. you know, and that the memories are flooding back. And a lot of times I really wish that, you know, it wasn't copyrighted that we could put it on the screen and you guys could like watch (laughs) Sam's reaction with me. See me jump off of the couch and say, oh my goodness, see this right here. (laughs) Yeah. He literally did that at one point. He's like, that's my sister, you know, and ruling Jeff's with all the wives in white. And he's like, that's my sister right there. And like ran up to the TV and was pointing her out to me. Um, so I wish we could do that. Um, this is the best that we can do. But yeah, it's it hits home. And it's a good yeah. reminder that, you know, there were so many regular people and regular families that were living through this, um, you know, obviously not knowing the things that Warren was trying to do, not knowing his end game, not knowing what kind of man he truly was at that time, just yeah. believing that they were following the prophet and doing the best that they could. And so it's a good thing to remember. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It's a good thing to remember that uh, it wasn't like everyone out there was, was trying to, uh, I don't know, they, all they were doing was trying to be obedient, to be honest. Yeah. Keeping sweet and obeying. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, all they, that's all we were all doing at that point. Yeah, so stay tuned. Like I said, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing an episode every single week um, through this documentary. And please let us know if you have comments, questions. Also let us know any other documentaries or YouTube videos or things like that that you would like us to um, review and give some insight on. We'd be more than happy to. We're going to try to do more and more of these reaction videos. So. Yes, we're excited for what's to come. And thank you for being here. Thank you all. We'll talk, talk to you soon. soon.